Mike falls from a tree. Is John worried about him? No, holes in the lawn. You're listening to Return to Gilead, <laughs> a fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane. By two new but sleepy fans of the show. I'm Michael LaFaver. Oh, it's true. I'm Ryan Matlock. And today we're reviewing 4-5 Insomnimaniacs by Beth Culp. Episode 49 on our return to... Here's a summary for this episode. Dr. James Kramer mysteriously returns to Gilead Lane, leading the Morrison kids to wonder why. Meanwhile, Brooke and Justin aren't able to get to sleep for their own separate reasons. Uh, Ryan, I, um, yes. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of these three episodes in a way that oh. I haven't disliked episodes of Gilead before this. And it's really weird because it's Beth Culp. She's great. Sarah Osinski, she's great. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a combination of the questions about Grace's motivations and the general plots of the episodes, but I'm just not really into it. I don't know what you thought about it. Okay. I'm, uh, I wasn't super unimpressed with the episodes as a whole. There were parts of the episodes that I either like really enjoyed or maybe in some cases I took issue with, but overall like these I I had fun listening to, like especially this one, this first one, um Insomnomaniacs. Yeah. Part of that is probably that I just haven't been in the game for a while. We recorded <laughs> a huge batch a long time ago and it's been a while since we've done non-special episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be fun to actually get back into this and see what we think about the comparing the previous episodes with this one, see if I can even remember the previous one since it's been that long ago. But I do remember when I was listening through Gilead back last year and I heard this one, I liked it and I, I liked these three because they were furthering the plot of what's going on with Grace and I hadn't heard what was yet to come. And in all of that, they're fine. But with this one specifically, I, I feel like the conflicts between Brooke and studying and Michael and having nightmares, I feel like they were a little bit half-baked in a way that if the episode were streamlined a little bit more, I would be able to appreciate better. So with Brooke and Michael, we get this big interaction at the end where he's fallen out of the tree because he stayed up helping Brooke. And those two events of Michael falling out of the tree and Brooke also being tired because of studying, them coming together in that moment, that should be a big moment. And it sort of works, but it's also like we haven't seen any negative side effects for Brooke. We've seen a couple from Michael, but we also haven't seen any of Michael's nightmares. We've only heard about them right. twice. And I think That's there's a one way thing you can... I definitely took issue with was we don't even know what the nightmares are about. Yeah. You see, I'm this monster. No, <laughs> I not <butchered> that. <laughs> Whenever I try to go to make a joke, I always say the punchline first. Sorry. (laughs) It's like if the dream actually had something to do with like something that he's dealing with in the moment in real life, then we could talk about, oh, well, here's how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. But if it's just like a a hamburger is eating the city, that's We are the mighty hamburgers. We will conquer you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If it's something like that, then it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's just, it seems like such a maybe cop out at the end to be like, oh, well, you're having bad dreams. Well, you should trust God more. I mean, that is one of the only ways to deal with it. But then Brooke does say the other way to go in and talk to, well, well, I mean, if we haven't identified anything else, there's not much you can do about it. The episode doesn't well, really give a lot of leeway. I guess a rewrite of the source of the dreams would be one of those. But, you know, also Brooke and, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Morrison do say, you can come and talk to us, or Brooke says, yeah, you can come and talk to me, or come wake me up. 
And that's, you know, that's not awful. I do like the resolution, but it's just, it's only coming after like two instances of, yeah, Michael falling asleep. And we still don't know the reason why. So anyway, continue though. I guess I do take issue with like, if the lesson of the episode is, hey, when you've got this problem, don't seek the answers to the problem. Just act like it's a problem you can't find answers to and treat it like you would any other problem you don't know the answer to and just pray about it. Do you think there was an actual solution? Yeah, for sure. You can find the source of most nightmares. Um, there's mm. like three. One okay. would be there's something specific in your life that you're concerned about, and it's in it's impacting your dreams. So that could be anything from I watched a scary movie and it disturbed me to I'm dealing with um, interpersonal relationship issues, and that's disturbing me. Okay. Uh, the second thing would be you ate something weird. <laughs> As far as Michael goes, that wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, that wouldn't. If you eat something really weird before bed, uh, or even anything right before bed, your stomach's trying to process that, and it's trying to do that while your brain's trying to let you sleep, and it messes up your subconscious, and you should just stop eating stuff right before bed. And then the third is just overall stress. Even if you don't have something specific disturbing you, the presence of stress in your life can like unpack things from your past or things to, things that just don't even exist. Your brain's just trying to figure out, why do I have so much stress inside of me? <laughs> and all of those can be basically fixed by being uh, intentional about your thought life as well as just your overall self-care life as it pertains to the food you eat and the ways that you take time to either de-stress after a lot of effort or work or whatever. So, like... All of those seem like ways that they could maybe seek to solve the problem that can work in tandem with praying because God can be a part of all of that as far as your journey to not having nightmares goes. But yeah. to just say, yeah, just just pray about it. It'll go away. Probably won't. Well, they don't say that. They say even if it doesn't or if it doesn't go away, you can come find us. They don't Right, but they if don't address they're going to just yeah. give the same advice they just gave, then... Is that useful? Well, here, here's the thing. I think for that, you actually have to have something else there, another reason behind the dream in the problem itself. So if Beth Culp didn't write something into the problem that was this is what he's dealing with, then there isn't going to be that solution because she's also the one who writes the characters talking about the solution. So as far as that goes, I think it needs a tweaking of the problem itself to actually put that, like the source somewhere in there. Because I don't I think mean, I don't think there's a source that currently exists. It it is fiction, and I don't think she wrote it in there, so I don't think it is there. Right. In real life, I mean, it would be different. I mean, like if I wrote a piece where my character had a damaged thumb for some reason, and then I never explained that they hit them hit their thumb with the hammer. The fact remains, it got hurt somehow. Yes. <laughs> and so you are going to leave your audience with the question, why was there thumb in pain this entire episode? Yeah, yeah, but that's not part of the solution. That's part of the setup of the problem. The fact that we never see how these nightmares started, and we were kind of like thrown partway through into it with him having the nightmares, and then we don't even hear what the nightmares are. That's, I think, all part of the problem yeah. rather than the solution. And I, I think we are in agreement on this, just depending on how we come down on the issue. Sure. Anyway, uh, Michael's antics are actually pretty funny because he falls asleep carrying a, a chair, falls out of a tree, 
and John has the, the I think it's an ad lib at the very end because it's like we got to get you stop we got to make you stop falling out of trees you're going to make holes in the ground. <laughs> that, that yeah that's holes the problem. The <laughs> <laughs> no, this is after they've had the whole long talk so it's it's fine. The funniest antic is in my mind is not either of the times that he falls asleep during the day. It's him the singing first morning. Yeah, the first morning when Justin wakes up and he says, oh, I had the weirdest dreams last night. They were all musicals. <laughs> and then he's, there, he's like, we are the mighty saw. <laughs> and then Christopher Grenick's acting is so good that, wait, no, no, let's not go there. I just registered you said that. Stop. Take that back. Uh, no. So you then, sang it earlier. <laughs> yes, I understand. So then with, with, uh, I just said his name, Christopher Grenick's acting when he's asleep, when Justin is asleep. He's going, oh, I don't want any pancakes. And then Mikey goes, pancakes? Huh. Actually, pancakes sound pretty good. <laughs> he tries to wake <laughs> Justin up, doesn't doesn't work. So yes. then he goes, well, at least the crickets won't fall asleep. And I just imagine the sound effects of the crickets just stopping right there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. But, yeah, he's Michael's falling asleep, and his problem, again, was nightmares. And that's a sort of foil to Brooke's problem, which I, when I first heard this, I thought that's kind of coincidental that they're happening at the same time that Brooke is staying up really late to study for a test, which was set up really well at the beginning of the episode because she's the only one who's still awake when John gets home to talk to Mary about Dr. Kramer, who is the third part of this episode, which we can talk about in a little bit. But yes, when Brooke drinks coffee, is the acting good there? I love her acting. Is that actually realistic, coffee. though? I mean, it's funny. I don't think so. Not one <laughs> bit. But it's hilarious, so I don't uh. care. I switch off my brain intentionally so that I can hear <laughs> Brooke sounding like Haley for once in my life because I'm here for it. <laughs> There's a quick conversation between Brooke and Haley where they're both talking at the same speed, and Mary jumps in and says, Stop, not <laughs> both of you. That's the scene of the day. Oh, man, let's hear it. Brooke, take a breath. Whoa. What's wrong with her, Mom? She had some coffee. And what about Dr. Kramer? It's nothing. We just have a new neighbor in town, that's all. Remember the doctor that was here for the trial last fall and nobody liked him? Yeah. Well, he retired. And now he moved back to Coleraine. And don't you think it's a little strange that he decided to move back Back here? Yeah, that is strange. I wonder why he would want to do that. And we never really did find out why no one wanted him around, did we? Girls! No. Not both of you. It is too early in the morning for this. <laughs> we should send that scene to Lori Creek and see if she remembers it. Yes! That would be great. I'll do that right after this. But anyway, the problem, I think, with Brooke is that we, we see her acting this way at the beginning of the episode, and that's really funny. But then after that, there aren't really any repercussions to it. We get a little bit of an excuse for exposition where she's asking Justin, why are we going to the store again? And usually in uh, in fiction or in audio drama, that's a a bad cop-out for exposition because the characters sure. just say like where they're going. But here it's a- it actually works because she legitimately doesn't remember because she's tired. But that's the only drawback to her staying up late. I, mean, I guess part of it is also... Michael staying up late, but I think he would have stayed up regardless. So as far as that goes, I don't think Brooke's storyline was as solid as it could have been. I, th- I think there are some there's some ways it could have been made stronger with seeing her also 
be falling asleep or maybe seeing her forgetting mm-hmm. things about the school material rather than just forgetting things like what she's getting at the at the store. I do get where you're coming from. It didn't seem that way as much to me. Okay. I think I appreciated more the more subtle nature to it because for most kids dealing with the temptation to stay up late and cram in their schoolwork, the repercussions of that are not going to be super in your face like i know i did it a ton growing up myself it was something i probably shouldn't have done i still do it i still do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> ah, called out um well i was but, talking about me oh okay well i i stay up far too late in <laughs> evenings sometimes as well I stay up too late but, um got nothing in my brain <laughs> i forgot you're a taylor swift fan i am <laughs> anyway continue apparently we both are <laughs> Only like two of her songs. Continue, please. All right. Well, you're same actually. So, I was like, <laughs> what are you even saying? <laughs> you were saying that it's something that we do too often, and there aren't yes. often repercussions to it. Yeah, there aren't often repercussions to it that are like in your face. Like if if Brooke had been like, oh yeah, I'm staying up too late, and then crashed a car or something, <laughs> that would have been really drastic, and there would have been heavy consequences. But it's not realistic to the day-to-day struggle, but I appreciate the conversation that they have at the ending where when they talk to her, they're like, look, like you might think that it's helpful, but it's not. Here's a case study with your mom. She tried it. It didn't work. She fell asleep. We want to keep you from doing that. Yeah. Like that's so a good story. So, I like that. It, it's a good story. And like, yes, maybe it would be more interesting if we actually got, like basically the equivalent of Mary's story, but Brooke does it. <laughs> but that's what we're getting with Timmy, or no, not not Timmy. That's what we're getting with Michael already, because he is falling asleep and it is damaging his health. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of get a neat balance of two worlds, where one person is experiencing just the fatigue, the other person is experiencing actually falling asleep, and in the end, we get to kind of hear a response that speaks to both. As well, because like if, if 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 all the kids were just falling asleep, I could see a listener saying, "Well, I do cram and I do stay up late, but actually, I'm really good at staying awake because I drink a lot of Mountain Dew or something." And called out. That's fine. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's fine. But it doesn't help the kid who's uh, drinking stimulants in order to stay awake because they need to also make sure that they get sleep. And recognize, like, the benefit of taking care of yourself rather than cramming. Man, I'm just thinking I'm not actually to... trying to call no, you out. I just no, you just brought back a memory that. from this May when my roommate was like, bro, I'm only going to say this once. Don't stay up until 2 a.m. and then be late for our checkout. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. That was a bad choice. <laughs> it's okay. We're on, we're on good terms. It was just rough. Anyway, back to this. Yikes. Um, no, I, I see what you mean, and as far as Brooke goes, you can hear her tiredness throughout the episode, and it's very yeah, much presented. Yeah, it's great you, you won't, Yeah, you won't miss it if you listen that it is causing problems in her life. So, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, also, part of this is filtered through the lens of not having listened to Gilead in a while and just coming off of Aim Higher and Fish and Slips, which are so action-packed. Right. And then coming back to this one where not a lot happens, but we do get a great roast from Mikey. Oh, which one? <laughs> Timmy is asking him, were you having scary dreams? And Michael says, only babies get scary dreams. And Timmy goes, I have bad dreams all the time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> I love that hey that's from great. Nathan Heckman. And then John's like, no, hey! no, stop it. <laughs> 
So shall we talk about how I'm kind of frustrated at John and Mary in the ep- this episode as well? You are? Same! Are you? So I was expecting to be alone in this. No. no, here's the thing. I understand keeping a secret because you don't want to break the confidence of somebody who wants you to keep the secret. I understand John and Mary not telling their kids because Grace doesn't want the secret to get out. I don't understand saying something directly in front of one of your kids and then say, gaslighting them like it was nothing. Yeah, that's, that's not a, great. And, and in these episodes... I think we can condense the problem down to just Brooke. Like, if we remove all the other Morrisons and just focus on Brooke, she's obviously responsible enough to be able to handle the information. She's in high school, and we've seen her handle information like that before. Haven't we? Maybe we haven't. If there's any question about that, I'd be happy to debate that point. I think we could all easily agree that she has the responsibility to capably handle that information as far as that goes it's down to keeping the information from her specifically and there has to be a reason for that because if you just say oh we can't tell her because if we told her we'd have to tell the other kids that's not necessarily true so as far as she goes she overhears mary saying something about it's catching up with him and brooke goes wait what is that and they say oh no it's uh, you don't need to worry about it but then they both say that it's nothing Say And Mary says, uh, later on in the episode when Brooke is on her caffeine high, when she says, what was that about Dr. Kramer? And Mary goes, what about Dr. Kramer? And then she says, again, that it's nothing. We just have a new neighbor, that's all. And then they're very clearly, later on in the episode, saying, we're going to talk with Dr. Kramer alone because you all are jumping to conclusions about him. So rather than having you sit in on the conversation and actually hear about him, we're just going to keep him to ourselves because you guys were, quote-unquote, jumping to conclusions I don't remember any of the conclusions they jumped to. What conclusions they did they jump to? They didn't. They didn't. Here's right. all, here's what they did. I wrote it down because I went through <laughs> and I listened to the conversations to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because here's what the da- here's what the dad says. He says the way you all have been talking about him, we don't think we want you there. And what the kids had actually done is not say anything like spread rumors or anything. All they did was pull from the things that have happened prior in the episodes. So they talked about how, hey, did you do you remember the doctor that everyone yeah. in town was mad about? That's not a rumor. That's true. That's uh-huh. a thing that happened. And then they say, well, he retired, and now he's moving back to Coleraine. And they say, huh, I wonder why he's moving back to Coleraine. And that is the closest thing to speculation you will get out of them. Oh, so here, far there's as actually like, something, asking that question. There's, there's another thing that's a little bit speculation. Almost there. They say, almost. why didn't he go talk to Grace? But they don't even bring any conclusions out of why he didn't talk to Grace. They just ask the question. Right. They don't say, like, maybe he's got a vendetta against Grace. They, they don't know. And, and no one answered them. Right. They wouldn't need to be speculating if any of the adults would provide even a microbite of information. <laughs> Down to the last microbite. But then with, with Brooke, when she says, well, why can't we be there? John, instead of his normal snark, and I didn't appreciate this line, he's, he instead has a very sarcastic line to Brooke where he says, well, I thought you had studying to do. And we hear back from Lori Krieg in her acting where she goes, Dad, really really under her breath, where you can tell that that line kind of hurt. And yeah. I don't know why. That's my thing. Yeah, it's it's not great. He's kind of, If you had to jump into the mind of Mr. Morrison... The only reason that he would have to make such a sort of low blow, because like he doesn't even answer them directly. Why can't we sit in? He says, I thought you had schoolwork. So first off, he's making a passive aggressive comment 
to distract them from the situation. And then there's a gaslighting where he says the way that you've been talking about him, we don't think we want you there. They haven't talked about him in any way other than to ask, wow, what's he doing here? But that, that's Probably also... things that all went through Mr. Morrison's head when yeah. he saw him in the diner. But that's also inconsistent with how he treated his kids at the end of season two, where he said, you need to find someone who can give you honest answers because of all their rumors. Instead of just having rumors right. about Ms. Kopik and Grace, they went to talk to Grace. Here, instead of having rumors about Dr. Kramer, which they don't have rumors about him, he doesn't let them talk to him. What? Yeah, yeah. This is the reason that yeah. in prior episodes I have a problem with what they have to say. Because they say, well, here's the way that you should handle the situation in the future so that we don't get mad at you and make this all about how you've uh, gone out of... Gone in the wrong direction about how you handled this, there's no win scenario for these kids that they get yeah. information of any kind. Even just a, look, here's the thing. We want to tell you. We really do. But we've been sworn to secrecy by a person who has a good reason to swear us to secrecy. We want to ensure that you know Dr. Kramer is not a bad guy. He is a very lovely man and if you'd like, you can meet him and find that out for yourself. He's made out at the beginning to seem kind of mysterious. He's like, uh, what, what was your name? Yeah, I can didn't. we talk about that scene and how nosy Mrs. <laughs> I forget what her actress's name Sally. is. But Sally. Well, yeah, the character. But she's played by Laurie Krieg's sister, which is really oh, cool. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And she's the same one from the, oh, you wanted fresh coffee, not fresh creamer. Speaking then, of which, I, I wanted—I was thinking of that scene when she's like, "Our coffee's always fresh." I was like, but "Not your creamer." <laughs> your creamer is it? <laughs> and I love the music change when you've got Dr. Kramer in there and he's being all secretive. I didn't say my name, and then the music brightens up and we, we get some of the Gilead theme when John comes in. Hey, Sally, how's it going? He gets a blueberry pie, which is sweet. But then Dr. Kramer, and I love that the reveal of Dr. Kramer is at the end of the scene rather than like the end of the episode or the next episode so that we're not left hanging on this huge mystery of who this guy is for a long time but yeah just anyway so he seems like a he seems like he might be mysterious at first but then with Mr. Morrison coming home and talking about him it's clear that he didn't get stabbed in the, in the in the diner or anything so we're fine he's not a bad guy and we get like from the context it seems like he's okay which is great. It doesn't erase the whole mysteriousness for the kids, though, because all they know is that the town got mad at him, and then suddenly their family started getting threats on the phone. So I think the kids have a right here to be like, that was really weird. Is this guy the guy who was threatening us? Just to say, we don't want you to know because there's nothing here. That's, that's not That's great. a lie. Yeah. And I know what they meant by saying it's nothing, but they mean just ignore the, it. But given yeah. the stake, given the stakes, you, you can't just say something quick like that. Mm -hmm. As Bob and Larry would say, oh no, as Mr. Lunt would say, I have a feeling we're going to get letters about this. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any thoughts on this whole thing, please send in a voice message or send us a message on our link tree, and we would love to hear what you thought about this. Shall we go to the wraps? Yeah, I, I think I'm done with my notes. <laughs> Ryan, this is the second to last episode before episode 50 of Down Gilead Lane and Return to Gilead. Wow. Uh, we have been going for a long time. And like, ex except for that one week off that we took, I am very 
very proud of how consistent we've been with this. This is cool. I'm proud of even the week that you took off because you didn't want to, but you made the decision because you had to, and mm-hmm. it takes a big man to make a decision like that. And also you needed the rest, so... Yes, and I am the man with the big feet. So, anyway, <laughs> how can listeners find out more about the show? Well, they can go to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead, where you'll find all of our episodes, as well as a link to our link tree, where you mm-hmm. can get access... Not access. You can just go to the links that are necessary, whether you want to listen to Down Gilead Lane or Return to Gilead, or you want to go to the Down Gilead Lane spreadsheet that Michael put together or you want to check out any of the links associated with the people we've interviewed. There's just a wealth of information. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we'll be back next time with episode 50 of Down Gilead Lane, our review of Can Do. So until then, I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time as we once again return to Gilead.